Listen up, squibs. You may find this podcast to be fucking explicit. Another episode of the Shadow Swarm Radio Hour. I am your host, Brendan Carrion, and I am joined once again, as always, by my good buddy, Adam, Adam. Sink. Yep, I'm here. I'm ready to do this. What up, Playa? Not much. We have watched our second episode of Forever Night, whatever you want to call that. It's kind of the opposite of binge watching because we're watching it on a very extended <laughs> yeah. timeline. Yeah, we're, we're watching it even more extended than if it was like, say, you know, the 90s and you watched it every week. We're watching week one a month, right? You know, we're we're on that apocalypse world plan. By by the end, by the time the apocalypse happens, we will have we will have finished it. We're we're slow rolling it. I think we're just trying mm. to delay watching season three as long as possible. Uh, I mean, there's what twenty four episodes per season, right? Right. And then that that gives us like forty eight months to right. get like to two season years. Three. That's like one. that's just four years, man. Yeah, we may have to accelerate four, this a little bit. Four years, yeah. Oh boy! So, uh, what's new with you, man? How you been? What you been? What, what, what you been up to, gaming wise? Been good. Uh, gaming wise, I got a bunch of new books and material, and started running Gamma World. Got through the first real session of Gamma World. Yeah, how'd that uh, go? Uh, pretty good. It's really Gonzo and fun, and just kind of funny. Um, I read your write up on it. I liked it. Yeah, we're not trying to take it too seriously. We're just trying to go a little, a little off the rails, and it's you know, I kind of took the idea from the fallout series of games where i'm just gonna pepper the world with locations and there's a weird thing in each location well, I mean, that you can go that's like the apocalypse trope right i mean isn't right. that kind of like escape from new york and escape from la are very much like that yeah right? it's it's very much that post-apocalyptic where everything you go things are not as they seem or there is something off like you're never gonna find a well-functioning society right it's the same thing in like the walking dead and the comics and the tv show every time they come to one of these cities or these civilizations there's something like really dark and messed up about it and everybody's doing something really weird like oh we're all cannibals here and you're going why did that happen why would that be a natural extension of what's going on around here was was there something messed up about that society that they like the in what the walking dead i only saw this one episode Mm -hmm. where it's like they came to this like gated community that had survived the zombie apocalypse by like just walling themselves off and they had like solar panels and shit so there was like suburban normalcy inside of it and they were all like there was kids playing video games and shit i don't know i think they that may be the one where they tried to like take the weapons from rick's gang and rick's gang refused to give them up and then they became the yeah. stabilizing force in that society like yeah, I they think were so. the messed up ones who right. screwed up their perfect little world and got everybody killed that seems like that seems like the um the direction that that arc was going 
and uh, I, I, I just was really disappointed with like the politics of the show at that point. I was like, well, okay. You read the comics because I don't really watch the show because of the kids, and I can't watch yeah. shows like that with the kids I around. But when I read either. the comics, like, I very quickly came to the conclusion that Rick and his gang were not good people. They were the protagonists, right? But they weren't heroes. Uh, they were just as bad as everybody else around them. And so there's this whole, oh, well, these guys are bad and the governor's bad. And, and it's like, yeah, but you have to look at how cartoonish the governor and this Nagin guy are in comparison to Rick. But if you just look at Rick on his own, like, he's not a good dude. He's not a nice guy. And he does a lot of bad stuff. I, I mean, I suppose you're right. I haven't read the comics, and I find the show to be tedious. Yeah, to be I totally stopped reading honest. the comics because I found them to be tedious, and I just found them to be weird. They made a lot of stylistic choices that I thought were, I don't, I, I just didn't care for them early on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, The Walking Dead is one of those phenomenons. It's sort of like beyond me. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, mean cool. I got Game of Thrones and the rest, but I, I never got into, I never got Walking Dead. I'm glad people are out there and enjoying it, but it's just not for me. It's just not right. Um. So yeah. So what, what book did you get, dude? You said you uh, got some books. I picked what up you? Dungeon World. You nice. You got me my copy of Dungeon World. Thank you over at uh, Imperial Outpost. It was um, no trouble. Haven't gotten into that one too much, but you've had some experience with that that I'd like to hear about. Yeah, and a little bit. I got Lamentations of the Flame Princess. Yeah, I heard you picked that up. What inspired that? Um. Well, I played that with you at uh, Crit Hit, which right. was a lot of fun. And then I had heard a lot of good stuff from you and Bailey and just online chatter about it. As a, as a dark kind of horror fantasy gaming line. So I picked it up on the strength of that. Uh, it's really good. The art in the middle is super messed up. Yeah, isn't it great? Yeah, the art is... it. it it's very weird because the art is either very, very rough and unpolished or super, super polished and, and well done. And it, it yeah. doesn't seem like there's an in-between. Yeah. I, I don't feel like, you know, you get the, that middle section of all the color pictures that are very clearly professionally illustrated and then you get some in the middle or in the beginning in the middle where you're just kind of like oh man like the guy who wrote this drew these or like what's going on here yeah somebody's friend right so you know far be it from me to bag on that kind of stuff because that's the type of art that i do too that very minimalist pen and ink style but um yeah it's a really great read it's a really good book and then i picked up uh shadow of the demon lord which was uh, another one that i had heard a lot of online chatter about and there yeah. was a kickstarter for it that i missed out on i almost kicked on that but i didn't i yeah. passed on that one and, uh, early it was written on by one of the guys who wrote the indie fifth and it seems solid like the writing is is well done and it seems very solid and i'm about 60 pages into that one so far and uh the one thing I will say is reading all of these, I've gotten to the point where the rules of systems are all kind of blending together now. That happens. And so I, I'm reading through the rules. And I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, I know how a combat role works. I know how this. And then they'll introduce something else like in a, a Shadow of the Demon Lord. They have boons and banes where you roll. You can get a number of boons on a roll or a number of banes on a roll. They cancel each other out. And if you're left with a leftover, you roll a D6. And if it's a boon the roll on that, you take the highest one and add that to your result. Or if it's a Bane, you take the highest one and subtract it from your result. And so it's kind of like that old alternity dice mechanic, where but you don't have multiple different dice types. Because alternity, it was scaling like, oh, a D4, then a D6, then a D8, then a D12, then a, a D or a D10, D12, D20, and you'd roll them and add or subtract depending on the bonus you got. So it seems interesting i'd be in, i'm i want to see how it plays before i opine on it too much it's an, <laughs> it's an odd mechanic the thing about the mechanics is at this point in the in the state of gaming it's kind of like i mean 
Okay. It's kind of a it, solved problem, right? Like, yeah. Like, it, everybody it, understands well, how to make a D20 game or how to make a D6 game. In the early 2000s, right, uh, D&D, Watsy, made a fucking giant bag full of money mm-hmm. on D&D 3.0. <clears throat> and then they were like, oh, hey, let's solve all your, you know character creation and systemic problems we'll just farm out the d20 thing right and then and there was this huge d20, d20 modern d20 future d20. well i mean those were all watsy products so then right. they, they, they farmed it out to chaosium chaosium did a d20 cthulhu uh call of cthulhu fucking even vampire got around to doing a you know oh that's monty cook's monty world cook's of world that, of darkness yeah. which is a d20 game and it was just it was just so pervasive. Traveler became D twenty. It was like every every single you went to the game store and it was like all these D twenty games that were that were basically at their core essentially the same. Right. And they played the same feats, skill levels, all those kind of classes, very important were classes right. to those games. It still feels weird though when you're playing a game that's not to me anyway, D ten or D twenty, because that's what I grew up with. That's what I played the most of was storyteller games from White Wolf, which were all D ten based. And then d20 games yeah and so even now when i play a game that's like a ton of d6s um it just feels weird to me it feels weird to play a game like that i don't mind the d6s to be totally honest i i guess that just when when that that weird wave of d20 games kind of like it crested where everybody was like um all right this doesn't really work for you know it, every game feels the same right and then we kind of went on the downhill slide of, of role-playing again for a little while, where role-playing kind of became rarer. People started cr- cooking up weird systems again. And now we're on the sort of, like, upswing of this new thing where there's a lot of play- people that are going powered by the apocalypse or um, or somewhat powered by the apocalypse, you know, like a, like a, like a variation on that, you know? And you're just like like I think at the end of the day I think Colt is a the 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 we kickstarted I think that's a powered by the apocalypse game. Okay. I think that um, Blades in the Dark has a very powered by the apocalypse kind of feel to it. Because there's that there's the rules light stuff too right because there's that sh- version of Shadowrun that's based that's just on, coming out yeah right that's a rules light Shadowrun Anarchy of Shadowrun. yeah Shadowrun Anarchy. That's based on this thing called the Q system, which is like similar. I think. I mean, I've never played that. Apparently, it's GMless, but like the Shadowrun Anarchy has a use it with a GM, right? Like, uh, like uh, uh, you get what I'm trying to say, right? Option. Well, what I've seen too, just when I go to game stores now, is there seems to be there seems to have been this renaissance of board gaming, where there's a lot of board gaming going on now, and Tons I feel like gaming. that is uh, that's reached its zenith, and it's gotten to the point where it's uh it's overloaded and because i was talking to dave at game depot you know and he was saying i don't have i'm running out and he's is a big store and he's yeah. you know he said i'm running out of room to stock all this and i'm gonna have to start making decisions about what i get in and what i don't and he's like and then that causes problems with distributors because it's you know if i don't buy it then if it's a hit and it takes off do i yeah. get copies or not and you know if the next one comes out and i didn't buy the last one am i is the distributor gonna let me get that one and it's very interesting. I think they're they're at the point that role playing games were back in the late nineties, early two thousands, where there were just a glut of them everywhere. And of there them. were so many different systems that I personally got overwhelmed and was going, I, I can't keep up with this. I don't have enough money to buy all these. But at the end of the day, do we really need all these weird systems? I mean, do we need tons and tons of weird systems? Like I, I, I don't mean, know. Everybody of, seems like they want to have their own system and they want their own little twist on the way things that 
work in and, their game because I, I don't know that I could go out and say, like, here's my D10 system and there's successes and failures and botches because everybody go, oh, you're just ripping off White Wolf. Like, yeah, I'd who have cares? to introduce something. Like, who cares if you're ripping off White Wolf? White Wolf's a ripoff of Shadowrun. I mean, right, that, that, that's, that's well time, known. That they, just, they, this... just, they just were like, oh, here's the Shadowrun system. Let's take it, change it from D6s to, to D10s. D10s. Yeah, but I it's just, the same I feel, fucking thing. Yeah, but I feel like if you don't make some kind of material change like that, everybody's, oh, this is a ripoff. And then you get the trolls and the people who review it poorly because of that. You know, in the, in the era of the internet and this ridiculous information sharing that we have information overload almost it, you get hey, are you henry shot. rollins right now dude? you get one shot one henry chance rollins one opportunity from, uh, and, <laughs> and now, now you're now M&M. i'm m&m and no but it's just, it's seriously if if you go out and you your initial launch is poorly received that's it for you you know what i mean well it's, it's uh, you tough see, to I, bounce back but from who that. launches like that anymore now everything's about building um your grassroots and... you know it's like look at look at what goes on on kickstarter you know and like the little kind of um just networks of people who are interested in this but i do thing. the same thing i mean because i was looking at that prince valiant game that was coming out and i was oh what's the mechanic on this and they're like oh you flip coins yeah and then well, the number and i was just kind of that does not interest me at all and no, i just sound, walked away from it before i even gave it a chance i didn't really sound, look at it but if they had said it was powered by the apocalypse would you have bought it I, would I don't have. know. I would probably. Well, I don't know. I don't really like Prince Valiant that much. But, right. but if something's powered by the apocalypse I, at this I, I point, I'm like, I just consider it to be like a. If it's powered by the apocalypse mm-hmm. and I find the idea to be peaking, then I'll just buy it because it's so. I know it's going to be good. Right. You know, and that's the thing is that these is that these narrative games, the system doesn't actually matter. Is it's just all about story. Now you're just focusing on story. I mean, who yeah. gives a shit about the fucking the system? So do we, do we need this was crap? Always was always a very interesting concept to me because I really feel like D&D launched that when they did 3.0 and 3.5. Yeah. And then their their own child, like, ate them, right? Because Paizo and everything yeah, came sorta. in and, and took over from them and essentially well, took their entire market out from under them. They sold they, – they, they, they gave that to Paizo. And they, they did. Were, they were like, oh, yeah, we're moving on to this 4 Yeah, we're moving thing. on to this and other thing. Yeah, you know, greener pastures ahead. Yeah, and then it, <laughs> like, it, all right. their, you know, their own baby came back and, and ate them. <laughs> Yeah, but they're back on top. They're back on top. They learn. They they learn their lesson. They are. From the that. new edition's great. The new edition's really good, and they're back on top. And it seems like they sorted out all of the feedback from 4E. The one thing I will say is they they kept at that 4E train a lot longer than they probably should have, um, and kept pushing it. But they they did do the right thing. They didn't do what White Wolf does, where White Wolf takes all the fan feedback and is like, we have to incorporate all of it in everything, whereas I think Watsy uh, was a lot more selective about it. I I think that, I mean, I don't know how much of that came out of fan feedback and how much of it was like, oh, let's just get a bunch of guys in a room. And didn't they demo? I thought they opened demoed a they, lot they, of They fifth. beta tested it. They beta tested a lot they of ba- fifth, they and they opened it. demoed it, and they took a lot of feedback from that, and they took a lot of feedback from their uh, their encounters, their D&D encounters, because that's how they started running all of that, uh-huh. was they were doing that D&D encounters program, and that was feeding a lot of data back into them. So I'm not, I, you know, I'm assuming that that's what that was for. Well, yeah. I mean, I just, I just wonder if when they sat down, they said, "Okay, we need a fifth edition, or we're toast." If the guys who had that challenge put in front of them were thinking, "Okay, well, let's go through the forums and let's see where this thing failed, 
or if they were if they sat around and they did a and they and they all talked about it themselves and they I said, think if they had been playing it they knew where it failed like they they had an understanding <laughs> You don't think people were point. playing that game? I mean here's the thing is for the concept of that game if you agree with the concept that like basically just what you want to play is like a uh, a turn-based MMO or a very very advanced board game right. that game's fucking awesome it's fucking awesome. So I mean, they succeeded. Their design principle succeeded on what it was they wanted to build. Right. The question is, is was it a good idea to build? Was that? it what the community wanted? And I, that's what Definitely I think they not. became aware of. Was it was they said, oh, this isn't what the community wants. So let's step back and revamp this. Yeah. And I think it's still a solid concept. It still works pretty well. Like I still think so- Star Wars Saga Edition is really good. Yeah. Um, and that was the first pass at that it's rule true. system. And it still works really well. It's probably one of the better editions of Star Wars out Agreed. there. Agreed. Haven't really played the new one too much. I read the beta version of, I read the beta version of the first one, Edge of Empire or whatever. Yeah. I did not care for it. I, yeah. I didn't like the fact that they gave me stickers that then I had to put over my existing perfectly good dice <laughs> to turn them into their Star Wars dice, and I was just kind of like, well, well, now you can just go buy from Fancy Flight like yeah, a like twenty dollars set of dice. special dice. Right. I don't want to have uh, to buy specialty dice. Well, you yeah. get a free one when you buy the box set. I don't like, know oh, why okay, they but... did that with the weird dice. I mean, I guess it's because they're trying to get you away from number hunting. Yeah, but doesn't Fate do and... that too? Doesn't Fate have its own weird dice? Oh, they got the plus minus dice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I just I don't like specialty dice like that. I don't want to have it. to buy a different dice for every single game. That said. You know, this, t- take that with the grain of the yeah, salt, because yeah. this is from the guy who was like, oh, I got to buy the Vampire the Masquerade right, dice, right. and I have to buy the Requiem dice, and I have to buy the Aberrant dice, and I have to buy the Changeling dice. I don't want to buy special dice for my game unless it's fun and I do want to do it. Right, exactly. I don't want to do that unless yeah. I do it, in which yeah. case, don't listen to me, because right. clearly I want to do it based on my past actions. You know what? I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> I don't know who I am. I really feel yeah. like I've lost all yeah. sense of myself I, I mean, and my being. But I, I I think as like natural sort of like contradictory individuals um we always want to take a stand against whatever opinion it is we hear and even if we hear our own opinions yeah. then we want to stand yeah. against them I, because uh, i think it really is that anti-authoritarian streak like, yeah you don't tell me what to do yeah man, and even I, I don't tell me what to do that's right that's, past me what do you know <laughs> that's that's bullshit i'm not even gonna take take it off that asshole brendan that guy fucking sucks Present um, me knows way more than past me, and future me hates present me. <laughs> did you? Did you? Uh, did you get the cult dice on the cult Kickstarter? No, I didn't get the oh, cult so dice. So you on passed the cult. on those. I okay. passed on the cult dice. How about I, on? How about on? Um, uh, toxicity. I didn't get the toxicity dice All either. All right. Okay. See. So. So there's a pattern emerging so here. So I didn't you're buy not, those dice. That said, I bought pretty dice. much everything else for cult. So I don't know if that tells you anything. But I'm if so- it was a book. I shelled out for it. I'm such a hoe for fucking Colt. I was on there today. I had been I'm going- just that way with every game. Because when uh, Inverted Church said, hey, uh, we know we got your pledge. But now that we've reached our goal, <laughs> there's a hardcover edition. <laughs> and for $10 more, yeah. you can get the hardcover edition. And doesn't that sound like a sweet deal? I was like, well, fuck yes. Yeah, so you're going to buy the hard. Obviously, $10. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. buy that. And then. Yeah, I just it got to the point, though, where there was this cliff where it was you could get away with buying the hardcover edition. You get the hardcover edition with the T-shirt. And then the next thing was jump up to $100 or more to get the book with the walls. Yeah, the and walls. And I, I was like, man, if you just had better swag, 
you totally could have incrementally just, needled me <laughs> into buying this you. instead of just had a $75 jump or whatever it yeah. was. It, you could have just needled me into paying more if you'd had little items that I could have added on. Did you get the shirt? I didn't get the shirt. Right. Um, I have enough shirts. I Every time I go to like a technology conference, I come back with a bag full of shirts. Every time I do a race, <laughs> I get a shirt. So I, I have all of these shirts. I actually had to go through my drawer the other weekend and throw out a bunch. And I was looking at um, White Wolf shirts on Redbubble the other day. And I was like, I really want this New Wave Requiem shirt. I was like, what the hell? Where am I going to put that? I have so many shirts already. Well, yeah, but you don't have a, like a fucking sweet-ass New Wave Requiem right. shirt. I don't you, have a New Wave when, Requiem but, shirt, I mean, and I need one, and I'm probably going to yeah. buy it. But. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the shirt, it's, it's not like you have to view shirts like it's some kind of, like, you're in, in, in some sort of Doctor Who space Right, I guess my thing, question is, like, the, the issue I have all I the shirts into, I need. The issue I run into is where am I going to wear it? Because I don't think I can wear my New Wave Requiem, Requiem shirt to work. No. Right? I clearly can't do that. So I, it's a weekend-only shirt. and yeah. so But I got a ton of those shirts already. I got a ton of weekend-only shirts. Yeah. Got, most of my shirts are week, weekend or evenings Like because I try and use the evenings for Yeah, that. see, I don't even change out when I get home. I just kind of like veg out, uh, get home from well, work, and yeah. uh, done. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> I'm not cool anymore. I don't go places. I don't do things. What what else did you get? What other books did you get? Uh, this was all a Dungeon World tangent. Yeah, it was all a tangent. Well, it's all like a <laughs> fantasy role playing tangent. Yeah. Uh, for White Wolf stuff, I haven't really gotten anything because I haven't seen Dude, them come out with anything. Me neither, man. I because they have... came out with Mage, right? That was the last thing. Yeah, Mage that's 20th. that was like a week, two weeks ago. It's yeah, now the, uh, the only well, thing. Well, no, not Mage Twenty. Second Edition Awakening. Or Second Edition is, Awakening. Is, is in right. Print now. It's Second Edition Awakening that came out, and I didn't really care for First Edition, so probably not going to get Second Edition. You see, I think that that's a um, look. If you don't want to get Mage, I'm going to get Mage. But here's the thing: I'm going to be picking up Second Edition because when I look at the changes they made on every single one of those Second Edition books, the way that they uh, streamlined the systems and that they um, like kind of sharpened the focus of what the game was about. If they can make Mage um, not paced, it was it was so dry and boring. You see that? Yeah, that was the problem. It was really bad. Yeah. And, and so I'm waiting for people that I tr- I know and trust to review it and yeah. tell me it's good before I bother well, investing in it. I'm, I'm buying one. All right. I'm, well, I'm let me know one. what you think about I'll, it because no, I'm very no, I'll interested. No, I'll just lend it to you. I'll just lend yeah, it to I'm you. I'm just very interested to see it. I, again, this gets back to they don't have a retail presence, so I can't pick up their book and check it out anymore. And I, I can't do a thing where I look at it online because if they make it available for me to look at online, then people will just read it and they won't ever buy it. Yeah. So I don't know how to solve that problem. I'm not saying I have a solution to that problem, but it, it is still a problem. There's no way to really preview these books to get a good sense of what they're about. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I, here's how you're gonna preview it. Mm-hmm. It's through the grapevine. I'm gonna get one. Right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it over to you. And, you'll and a lot of their new it. books have been really good. I really like the Talmahe Ra book. Uh, I thought that one was really excellent. Um, yeah. You know, Hunter's Hunter was okay. Uh, it was kind of dry towards the end. Um, yeah, that you know the new stuff is decent. I like the new I, stuff. I haven't gotten into Ghouls too much. I I'm started get, reading it. That's right, what right. I'm getting. I'm getting. I feel like Fatal with... Addictions was a lot better. Well, yeah, but I mean that's just like a classic book. It I don't, is. I don't it's a great book, and I don't know if it's gonna fair do to compare against the new one, but it was one of the best books of the old line. Yeah, um, I'm getting Ghouls and Revenants, um, and then I want to get uh, Mage of the Awakening, and because I'm gonna put together an order to save on the shipping. I'm thinking about throwing in um, Demon Storyteller Guide. Yeah, see, I uh, wanted to get the Demon books. 
Oh yeah, and dude, you gotta get the demon books. It's yeah. like I think we talked about this last time. This was like a month ago, but right. like that's just a really quality game. That, like nobody. Yeah, I plays. just I'm looking at the order and I'm going, okay, so I need to get together like hundred fifty dollars to get the books and pay for the shipping. So yeah, okay, uh, we're gonna put that one off for the time being. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I'll I get them eventually. There. Oh, dude, they're there. They're yeah. there. The They'll be there for a little while. Is probably going to be pretty solid. I haven't gotten too too far into it, but Ghoul's Fatal Addiction was one of the classics. I even liked the Dompier book for KOE. That was a pretty good book as well. That wasn't a bad book. Yeah, that was a I bad liked book. It. I got rid of it, but I still liked it when I had it. It was a, <laughs> it was a good book. I just I was like, I'm never going to play KOE. Yeah, like, no dude. One I do uh, want to play it. I, yeah, man. I, I don't know. I've been kind of collecting KOE back a little bit, but mm-hmm. I don't really know. I, I, it feels so pointless to do it. I'm like, why I am I collecting it, it? Yeah, exactly. And then if I did, if I was like, no, I'm getting a group together, I'm going to fucking run this game, then I'd have to read all these books and get all these like very, very fidgety rules down. I mean, there's like there's hundreds and hundreds of pages of, of, of rules that really have no kind of like equivalent in just a regular vampire game, which I feel like, say you and I were sitting down, we're going to like, we're like, if we, we could literally throw down our microphones right now and just go out in the living room and be like, all right, let's just play, make some second edition characters and just play. We could probably be playing in 30 minutes. You know what I'm saying? 30 minutes. KOE, I wouldn't know where to start. And the oh, characters I know. Yeah. play completely different depending yeah. on if they're yin or yang aspected Aspected. or imbalanced. Yeah. The mechanics of the game change completely. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it was an interesting idea. I liked it. Uh, I had a lot of fun reading it. I just never played it. Uh, Onyx Path always kind of dances around it because you get these guys who show up on the um, boards and they're like, and they're like, hey, uh, any any chance there's going to be a Kindred of these 20th anniversary? And they're always like, oh, my I don't know. I haven't really talked about it. And it's like, uh, probably uh-huh. not. I don't think like, it was a big seller. Uh, I don't know if it was a big seller, but definitely it sold enough that they cranked out like almost like, I mean, seriously, probably they like did, a 20 books. They did pump out a lot of books, books. but that, at that time they were pumping out books for everything. They so were. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how well it did in terms of everything else. Exactly. exactly. What about you? What have you been doing? What have you been buying and collecting? Oh, Jesus. What have I been buying? Okay. Well, Okay, look. So we all know that the fucking like golden sweet spot in in Warhammer is the two thousand point level, right? So after completely, oh, you're chasing that dragon. So after like completely like going on like a AOS bender, I um have a two thousand point army. It's it's based on points now because it didn't it wasn't when it launched, right? Right, right. They they now they have the generals handbook, so you can play based on points. Yeah. Okay. I actually probably with all the stuff I have, could put together a lot more than two thousand points. AOS really encourages you to have like a collection, and you can kind of drop and drag and drop stuff in and out. Yeah, it's a war machine model. Yeah, so I can I can do a lot of different stuff now, but I have like a solid two thousand, and I. And I'm just like, okay, I don't have to buy that fucking shit anymore. So I've been kind of like shoring up some stuff with the uh, old vampire collection, getting some of the um, clan books I've been missing, um, both for uh, second edition and third edition. And then I, and then because I have different clan books for each one, I've been, <laughs> I've been like misbuying some of them on eBay where I'm like, oh yeah, cool. I don't have that one. And then I buy it and I do, yeah, have, you do it. have it. So yeah. now I have a bunch of doubles. I did that with a. Uh... 
I did that with a bunch of books recently. I, I have a bunch of duplicates, and I just don't know what to do with them. I was like, I on on what for what? Oh, bunch of different games. Like I had a couple for Dungeons and Dragons that I bought, and I was like, oh, apparently I already had this. <laughs> um, and then I had a couple White Wolf ones that I already had as well, and it was just kind of like, well, what, what? Yeah. I, I, like I don't have all the clan books in either edition. Um, I probably have like seven maybe really but yeah oh man i don't don't have hardly any i want to have i want to have complete collections for both i did manage to finish up my um dark ages clan book so oh but you know what i'm still missing libel of sanguinous for so that's not even true Uh, um those are good books they really are and so i've been kind of shoring that up there and um because the only clan books though were cappadocian bali and salubri uh, Salubri. so yeah if you got those three you got you can run the other clans without having the libel of sanguinous oh Dude, I mean, you can run it without and any of that libelous shit. Sanguinous One is the best one, so... What, what, the best one? Yeah, I think that covers the High Clans. That's the one that's like the Ventru, the yeah, Alessandra, yeah. and... Zimacy? No. I don't know. Is anyway. That a... You should go look. You... Yeah, that one's Masters of the State. Yeah. So it's probably... Let's see here. Um, Alessandra, Zimacy, and Ventru. Yeah, so that one, one is really that's good. That's the best one. Yeah, and basically anybody from one of those clans would tell you exactly that. Right, as long as you get that book, uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else have I picked up recently? Um, I know I picked up something. Uh, I I just started my Dungeon World game, and that's great. We did um, character creation slash world building for that. Right, because that's that whole system where you build the, the setting together. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you don't have to do it. I mean, the way the way that I did that was based very it heavily on... It sounds a lot on, more fun to do it that way. Dude. Okay, so I, I did that based very heavily on what you hear in episode one of that uh, Friends at the Table podcast, because that was the model that I had for how you run Dungeon World. And um, it was so fun. It was just the funnest fucking thing. Right. I just sat there it with... It sounded like they were having fun on that podcast when they were doing it. It dude, sold me on getting the game when I heard that podcast. It's a blast. You just start running these goddamn, like, uh, Powered by the Apocalypse things, and you just see this kind of, like, like uh, these possibilities opening in front of you, just, just just unfolding. I mean, it's crazy, the stuff that you'll be able to do with these games. Right. And the way that it's so cooperative, um, everybody is immediately invested because everybody had something to say going into the game. Um right. And that's just great, man. That's just, I mean, that's just so great. Like, and it, so we sat down and we, uh, my, my whole pitch was, all right, I like running city games. So I want to be playing in a, um, like a fantasy metropolis. And I want it to be by an ocean. I want it to be kind of like cosmopolitan, like a center of, I think I actually kicked that to them if they wanted to be like monolithic or cosmopolitan. And then I was like, I want there to be like a lot of power in this city a lot of trade, and then a lot of crime. I want there to be these, like, kind of feuding crime bosses. Oh, and then I want it to be a new city that's been built on top of the ruins of an old city. That's, that's the, always such a cool idea. That, that's that's all I wanted out of it. This is these, these five things. And then they just went to town, and they, just, and they completely fleshed this thing out. Maybe not flesh it out, but they gave it, they gave it, they gave it the structure and the musculature that, like, I can go back and, like, just... Just make it something just – I mean, it's, it's going to be fucking right. awesome. They gave you something to work with. Whereas yeah. a lot of times you sit down to make these games and you're going, okay, well, 
here's a blank canvas. What do I do with this thing? Yeah. And you sit and you build something and maybe you build the wrong thing and maybe they don't care. Maybe they yeah. don't like it. Whereas this, at least they had some say in it. And you know, you can't, if, if there's, well, that's not, you know, well, you know, you had input into this process. You were involved in it. So if you don't like this, the time to bring it up would have been back then. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I don't think that they'll, I, because they all infuse a piece of, of what it is that they want to play into the generation of the setting, I think it's hard to go wrong. Well, that's um, what I always really loved about having people write backstories for characters before they started playing because it informs a lot of what they want to see in the game. Because mm-hmm. if you have a guy who's telling you, oh, you know, I'm a member of this order of knights, yeah, uh, you know, he very clearly wants the game to be about chivalry and about his order and, and those sorts of things. And if you have a guy who just comes in and says, I don't really like, here's my, I don't really care about my backstory, then you go, okay, well, then he's not, he doesn't really have anything that he's super invested in. Yeah. But a lot of times what they come to you with will tell you what they want to see in the game. Yeah, no, exactly. Like if if I sit down at a table and we're playing vampire, the masquerade and I roll up a bruja and the guy next to me rolls up a bruja and the guy next to him rolls up a bruja and the guy next to him rolls up like a Torridor street artist. You've got a pretty good idea of the direction we want that game to go in. Sure. Sure. Um, Whereas, you know, yeah, and if, and then yeah, yeah, a, yeah, but you're never going to get that. You're always going to get like, oh, I want to play a Salubri. Right. And I want to play a, a Lissomber anti-tribu. And I want to play a Lissomber who's in the Angelus Otter. You do get a lot of like, weird like, one-off what? things just because like, we've all really? played the other stuff so much. And everybody, oh, I want to play this weird thing because it sounded cool rather than I want the game I, to be about I, I think this. everybody imagines their fellow players mm-hmm. – as playing one of the seven main clans from the from the first core book, and then they're like, "But I will be the one that plays a true Bruja." And I don't like, even know what? that it's that. I think everybody envisions themselves as the hero of the game, and theirs is the <laughs> character that matters and is special. Yeah, that's and everyone else is there to enable their character to rise to greatness. Because I definitely got that impression playing a lot of games just with the guys that we play with. It's like, oh, you don't view my character as my character, as a, as as <laughs> an individual with agency who has his own wants and goals. All you're looking at my character as is, how do I get this schlub to get me <laughs> what I want? Well, I better take some dominate. <laughs> you know? Oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. Okay, I yeah. guess. It's not really what the game's about dominate yeah yeah that does throw a uh a cog in the old works there it does it? there's a lot and vampire in particular has that problem there are a lot of powers that are specifically around enforcing your will on other people yeah it's the same thing if you get a guy in D D who you know is going to take charm person as and one of their spells on and just use characters. it on player characters you know you're going okay i can see where this ends and it right. doesn't end in a good place yeah, yeah. O- only Vampire actually gives you incentives to use it on your fellow players. Like it, it does. Gives, it like, gives you gives a you lot like of incentives in-game to incentives to actually... D&D to... gives you incentives to like, charm person other I don't, people I don't, as well. I mean, I, way less so. I don't know. Way like, less hey, so. give me your gold. I want to buy this magic item, so... Yeah, but then like the second that the charm person wears off, it's right. like you are like, oh, hey. Just cast <laughs> you know, it again. What exactly is the uh, duration on that spell? <laughs> You know, you can't it's charm, same thing charm with dominating me presence, forever. Though. You're you just, stealing oh, from me. Am I out of sight of this guy and I got my own mind back? 
all right, well, clearly uh, me and Mr. High-Powered Sniper Rifle have something to say about this. Yeah, but the guy who dominated you might be, like, a member of the fucking Primogen, or he might he be... He might be, but if it's another player character, he's not going to be. And so no, you it's... just go, all right, well, I got to take this fool out. And that's that has been the start of, of almost all <laughs> inter-party violence that I've ever been involved in, has been somebody's... Uh, in you know ill omen or inauspicious use of dominate on other people in the group or presence the thing that also sucks about it is that it make it 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 hurts feelings you know it does because people are like um you're telling me i can't play my character right it removes your ability to decide your character's agency and you get to play your character right you know, and uh, so I've just seen like a lot of a lot of people kind of things things get like really nasty like outside of the game, when that stuff comes up inside of the game. Yep. You know. Yeah, and it's vampires. The well, because it's the game we've played the most. It's the game we see it in the most. But I don't really know if there's other, you know, corollaries or similar things inside of. Um, I know there is in Mage. I don't know if Werewolf has the same problem because Mage had Mind and all those other ones where you could start influencing other people to to do your dark bidding. Yeah, but like Mage also had so much less emphasis placed on the idea of like a um, uh, hierarchical pecking order in which you all were shoehorned and sort of stuck with each other and there's no one else that you can really interact with. Well, for you like play the Order of Hermes and then you're right back in that world. Well, yeah, that, yeah, unless you play Order of Hermes. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I really feel like the context of Vampire is very successful in creating a game about about competition and, and predation, right. you know, which is, I guess, I mean is one of the great themes of vampiric literature, and so it's important to play that stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Wraith didn't have that problem either, but Wraith had the different problem where everybody went their own way because everybody's passions and fetters were different. Everybody would <laughs> go off and do their own thing. And so you'd end up running however many different stories each session because nobody really got together to do stuff. We got to get Zajac in here, dude. Yeah, we should get that guy in here to talk about Wraith. Yeah, that homie just hit me up on email like a little bit ago. Did he hit you up? Yeah, I got that okay. email blast from him. So. Yeah, so... And I meant I... to reply back to him. I just haven't. Oh, you didn't reply back? <laughs> no, That's I hilarious. need to. I just... I don't know. That's Whenever hilarious. I get those, I'm like, I need to reply back, but I want to type this long thing. And, hey, what are you doing in the kid? Get off of the... Th-. And then I, like, get up and go to deal with the kids, and then I, yeah. I don't get around to doing it. That's why I don't write long ones. Right. Like, I, I, I need I, to curb that impulse. Yeah, I, I used to, I used to write long emails. Now I just write them essentially like texts, where I'm right. like, you know, ten four over. Because he sent me this big long email, and I was like, oh, I yeah, should was, write him back a like, similarly lengthy reply. And I'm just like, oh, I'm never gonna do that. Yeah, so. yeah. So we watched episode two of uh, of uh, what's it called, Forever Night, Forever right? Forever Night. Oh boy, that oh, was a real. Man. That was a treat. It that was. was a treat. That was a fun I, one. I feel like episode two. Do we need what? to insert a pause so we can do we can put some music in and give people a little break? All right, all right, all right. Yeah, we should insert a pause. Well, We're going to insert a pause. We'll be right back to talk more about Forever Night. And then we'll give you a little treat Forever for your Night. ear holes. <laughs> we'll all right. right uh, you're right, you're right. We'll be right back. Obscured reality and you never bother to wonder why things are going so well. You want to know why?
understanding eyes And I'll tell you things that you already know So you can say I really identify with you so much And we are back. We hope you enjoyed that special little treat we put in there for you. So we're going to be talking about Forever Night Episode 2. It was the second of the revamped pilot. Yeah. So um, at that point, they weren't even sure they still had it, a full season show. It, it really seems sort of like a TV movie kind of, it right? It really did. And it starts with what is probably the longest recap <laughs> of <laughs> the episode that preceded oh, man. it. It just, it felt interminable. When yeah, we were sitting yeah. there watching it, I was yeah. going, this is pretty much every single scene, at least a cut from every single scene in this. And some of them they did twice. Co- uh, contemporary television viewing has changed so much. If you haven't gone back and watched a show from the from the 90s and then from the 80s just recently, listeners, I highly recommend that you do it. It's, it's mind-blowing how, how quickly things move in TV shows now. I mean, they right. just get right to the fucking point. Yeah, it's it really is. And I remember watching, uh, I started watching some of the cartoons I was watching as a kid because I got them on uh, DVDs and stuff as gifts from people because I have a bunch of these old t- pop culture t-shirts for Transformers and G.I. Joe and stuff. Yeah. And I was just amazed at how slow some of those episodes move and just how a lot of it was just a static head with just the <laughs> lips moving as the as the robots were talking to each other like and on transformers and it's just like that li- little like square going yeah the little square going up and down or optimus prime it's just his little face mask moving ever so imperceptibly any time that he talks yeah like cobra commander that was the uh two right like uh like under the under his hood the kind of ruffling yeah yeah it's hilarious and so they would just drag on but yeah so uh they they recap the entire first episode and then oh yeah Cuts back into Nick. But, but, is, but, but the recap is LaCroix speaking to you in voiceover, and they wrote a right. whole little script for him, like he's talking to Nick, right? right. And he's like explaining the plot of the yeah, show. He's that explaining you, to Nick what the stuff Nick just went through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he explains the show to you, like you don't get it, and he's like, right. he's he gives he gives he gives away that he has the cup, right? Because we didn't know that for sure at the end of the last one. Mm-hmm. But then he's like. I have the cup, Nicholas. <laughs> You're just like, oh, thanks, Captain Spoiler yeah. the Quah. Thanks, the yeah. Way to go, dude. <laughs> yeah, and then they cut to the intro, and then they it's like the very first scene is, is Nick standing outside of the underground radio station. Yeah. An underground radio station, which has a big honking sign <laughs> advertising underground radio. But it's not like it's not like Max Headroom underground. It's not yeah, like they're I like know, fighting the I power. I just thought or it was anything. funny that Nick knew right where to go. Yeah, like, he did. Like, hey, <laughs> he this really is did. where Lacroix is. Let yeah. me go straight to him. And then it's just Lacroix standing there. Yeah. There's no buildup. There's no tension. Right. There's no him going to find Lacroix. It's just Lacroix standing there. But like, there's lots hey, of great atmosphere. There like, is. Like, there's all these great colors. And, and a terrible coat. Nick well, still has that awful coat with the popped collar. Because because when you first see him, the camera's really close in on his face, mm-hmm. and all you can see is like this the the kind of silhouette of the, the black jacket, right? And then right. Lacroix kind of comes around the corner, right? And you can see the kind of light reflecting off of his awesome leather jacket. Right, Lacroix's jacket's so much better. Lacroix's yeah. jacket game strong. Well, uh, Nick's much weaker. In that moment, you're thinking every, all vampire jacket game on fleek. Right. And then and then Nick starts walking towards Lacroix. You see he's wearing that fucking and it is lame most duster. Not on fleek. Yeah, it is whatever dude. the opposite of fleek yeah, is. Yeah, which I don't know. Oh. 
Oh man, I guess not fleek. It's like it's like womp womp. Oh, Nick, right. you uh, ruin it. And then the, he and then did lose the pirate shirt though, and went oh, with he, the the kind of half turtleneck this sweater. Fucking terrible. Tur- he tucks into his jeans. <laughs> yeah, oh his man. Pants. He's like killing me over here. So, oh, that so was then, hilarious. So then Lacroix leads him around the corner to a slaughterhouse, which uh, is just which sort is of the randomly there. Slaughterhouse like, that you've ever seen because it's got like two carcasses in it. Both like a pig. Both, both pig carcasses, but there's only two. So like it's like the slaughterhouse isn't sure about it. They're not really sure if the slaughterhouse thing is for them yet. They're just kind of <laughs> workshopping the slaughterhouse idea. But they spent money on the basins and everything else. Keep in to mind, the there is a into. bucket of blood. Sitting Under there. the pig cart, right? Yeah, right. but you you'd think that would be to a drain. You there'd be like a drainage. No, or no, they just they collect that into a big bucket because you can repurpose that and use it for other stuff. Like what? What do you use it for? Um, stuff. I mean, you know, it's like <laughs> the fleam on the plumbus. You just you repurpose the fleam after you're done with it, and you do something else with it. And we're not uh, clear you, on what it is. You think you would at least put a lid on that shit? There wouldn't nah, be like no, a you big don't need to. There were no, there were no flies or anything. Just it was like, totally fine. And, there, and then a ladle. It's Montreal. <laughs> it's so cold. Yeah, and they put a ladle in it. There's like, a ladle. There's yeah. a ladle in the blood, and 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 Lacroix just walks over. He's like, starts slurping out yeah. of it. Like, are you hungry? Hey, yeah. Yeah. it's Halloween. Have some, have yeah, some, uh, some Kool Aid, kids. Yeah, have some very <laughs> thin looking blood. It was great. Yeah, it was is, super great. But the, well, because he knocks Nick down, and when he dumps it on Nick. The consistency of it has changed oh, completely. Yeah. It's much darker and much more like caro corn syrup thick. Yeah. But whereas when he's ladling it out into the cup it's that he so has, thin. which he had told us he had, it's so thin you can see through it. It's translucent. Because yeah, he's got he's got the cup in his in his jacket. Right. Anyway, so long story short, it looks great on the inside of the slaughterhouse. It's got this great green lighting. Yeah, green lighting, super like, creepy. It looks very blade runnery in a certain way because of you know Lacroix's hair, which is very Ricker Howard. Right. Um, and it turns out that the mousy historian chick has yeah, been like, Elise, following. Right? Yeah, she's, she's in there too. On the catwalk because the slaughterhouse has catwalks because you need yeah catwalks <laughs> you, need, you need to be overseeing slaughter- all the slaughtering. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. It's, it's but there's very, a catwalk and a, she's up on it. It's a very muddled scene that uh, there's a fight, blah blah blah. Yeah, uh, um, she, she makes it known she's there by gasping audibly. Um. Lacroix flies up to her, which Nick can't do because he's too weak from not feeding. Which is a theme throughout this episode, which right. is like Which was not the case in the last episode at all. He keeps staggering around and like and like gasping every time he's like, when was the last time you fed? And I was like, Man, in the last like, episode he was hitting that bottle of cow's blood pretty hard. Like he was he was just straight chugging it from point. the bottle in the last episode. So how many days have passed between then and now? Well, he keeps sp- spending his blood points on high high power discipline. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm such guessing as flying, is flying and, yeah, and maybe. fighting Lacroix. Right. So he know. does that, and then uh, oh, Lacroix gives him the choice: How bad do you want to be human? You can save the cup or the girl, and he yeah. throws the cup, and then he grabs uh, uh, the chick, and then goes to bite her. And Nick flies up into him and knocks him off. They get into another scuffle. Uh, he yells at uh, her to leave. She leaves. And then he ends up on the floor with Lacroix and then kicks Lacroix into that, like, hanging rack of just yeah, – there's there a, is a, a vertical rack with – Metal spikes sticking yeah. out of it. Yeah, horizontally. For, for no reason. Except to impale vampires. Except to impale Lacroix, who he impales. And then Nick runs outside, and it's daylight at this point. Of course. 
Um, so he which, has which to, leads to some hilarious hijinks where, Nick where he's has smoking. To, he, has to, he, has to, he has to hide in the trunk of his own car. Right. And in not smoking a cigarette, he is, he is visibly smoking. Smoke he's, is coming off of his yeah, body yeah. As, he, as he very melodramatically writhes yeah. from the sunlight. And then he hides in the trunk of his car, which in the last episode he was very clear to point out to us yeah, how much has the largest trunk space of any car manufacturer but, but in North this America. follows up a bunch of scenes like a number of them where we get to see like nick hanging out inside of his a trunk, trunk of looking, a car, like, yeah. looking like irked because like skanky's like skanky gets a hold of the car and because yeah, he illegally parked it yeah he, yeah you'd think as a police officer he'd know not to do in, but he in, doesn't in some kind of like like weird in order to get Skanky and Nick in the same place, they they concoct this reason that Skanky's got to like take the car out of the impound. Right. And so he starts driving around investigating shit, which of course means that Nick is now on hand to investigate shit also. Right. So he but, drives to the hospital. Right. And then there's like a bunch of bullshit at the hospital where we basically It becomes find, very we, clear at that point that the blood – because LaCroix says to Nick before during their fight, oh, I killed the guard at the – uh, museum, but the other people weren't me. So now we know that the museum guard killing has nothing to do with the other ones. The museum guard had the two bite, the two puncture marks on his neck. The other ones had the incisions on their neck. So it becomes very clear that uh, there's a split there. There's a difference. Right, right. And then we find out, we find out basically, oh, the the blood technician guy is there. And he gets very startled when he finds yeah. out the police are coming. And he's looking kind of a creepy looking dude, I guess. He's supposed to yeah. look kind of like a creepy serial killer dude. And, and uh, Skanky comes up and starts talking to him. And he starts talking about the car he's driving, which is Nick's car. Right. And then Nick sneaks into the hospital. To and he like the, hacks computers. Hacks into the computer to he, find the list of the, the blood donors. And or it's the like the, the most hilarious computer. It's like it's like this green and green monitor. with like, like the, the really, old ones that we used the in really the library when we were in high school. Chunky letters. Yeah, well, I mean, there might be millennials listening to this who think there might talking, be, you know. Yeah, that's that was a thing, though. I mean, yeah, you can see those old computers pretty much anywhere. Like if you watch Alien. Yeah, <laughs> they, they're using those computers, and and it's supposed to be the oh, future. Like I the Wayland Utani Corporation is still like, like, using like, those like, computers, like, like the really heavy keys. Yeah, and you watch like Star, the original Star Wars. They have wired headsets. They don't have the. They don't have wireless technology on their headsets inside yeah. the Falcon or anything. And good so point. You just end up with weird technology decisions, or you know, all of the blinking light panels and Alien and all that. You just, yeah, it, it's retro future. Right, it's retro tech. Well, this is just purely retro. This was just purely just like retro for the 90s time period. Shit, early nineties. Um, but yeah, Nick goes back to his car, hides in the trunk. Then he hears someone coming up with keys jangling, and then that guy has a pair of pliers. Inexplicably, and he cuts the bloodline where the the, the, the brake line. line. With. We, we, he like, doesn't even look. What this is so yeah. great is he, he just, just like he reaches under the, the, the car, is. And he's like boop, like he, real quick. Yeah, but he cuts it with a <laughs> with a wrench, which I didn't. I was like, how does the wrench cut it? Like I can understand disconnecting it with the wrench. Dude, but I'm just saying that guy was like amazingly competent at what he was doing. He was he he was he was on point. Like his his uh. His break cutting game was strong. Dude, was, so strong. He knew what he was doing. He really did. This is not his first time sabotaging a car. Right. So then uh, Skanky takes the car out, and he takes it out of the parking garage, and then he comes to a big hill, and uh, he starts yep. going down the hill, and that's when he finds out the brakes don't work. Right. Yeah. Which. Yeah. And then and then and then and then lulls Skanky is has smashed up the car, and he knows Nick's gonna kill him. And and then and then the guy's trying like, to pop the like, trunk. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to use a torch to get this trunk open." And you see Nick on the inside using his vampire strength to keep it closed. Hold it down. As this guy's trying to open it with a crowbar. So then Nick comes out. And there's a, a bunch bar. of kind of like uh, 
like a character building kind of like oh my god nick and nick and skanky yeah. opposites attract you messed up my car yeah it's, it's it's very clear in that moment that nick is supposed to be the cool one right. but he just like, like through the language of the storytelling but it's like just so obvious that nick's a tool bag yeah he's like <laughs> the fucking worst <laughs> he's just like he's just like hanging out with some dude who like thinks he's really fucking cool yeah and that's very it's it's grating. It's yeah, grating. It's, it's not his best moment by no. far in that in that episode. Uh so, so yeah, he tells Skanky he was right about the case. He owes him an apology about the case. And then But this this fucking brain trust figures out what they 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 put it all together. Right. They have to go back to the blood bank where now they don't need a warrant. Right now that now because now Nick's here, man. Now right. Nick's just he's not even using his vampire powers. He's just right. like with the the power of his own charisma. Right, and during the, this whole time, uh, Elise is trying to get a hold of him, so she calls the the station. We're sleeping times, at her desk, and, and she falls asleep at her desk as you do. Yeah, no one does that. So she's calling there, and then she calls his house, and then she remembers he said, "Oh, the digits on this Mayan obelisk are the same as my security code." Right. So she starts writing that down. Right. So it, um, then, the, the, then we get into like the weirdest, kind of creepiest parts of the whole thing, where just like logic kind of goes out the window, and um, she just goes to his house and breaks in. She doesn't break in. She just punches. Like, there's That's no breaking, breaking in. It's just entering. Well, <laughs> uh, I guess I. Uh, there's no breaking though. It's she illegal. Just punches the code in. It's yeah. illegal entry. Yeah. So I guess technically it's B and E, but she goes into his house and you see someone following her. Right. And then uh, they sneak in behind her, and she is. Oh, if you're trying to scare me, you're doing a really yeah. good job. Yeah. She says it to Nick though, yeah. which she has no reason to think he's there. Right. She he, she just broke into his house. It <laughs> so, makes no sense. Then it turns out it's the one of the the, the homeless vagabonds. people, one of the street street urchins that Nick knew from the first episode, the female one, the one who didn't get killed. Um, and she's been she's been ganked up. Her eyes all all swole shut, and and she's obviously been been put through the ringer. Which which if I walked into that door and I encountered this, I would think to myself, "Oh, Nick is a psychopath who captures homeless people and beats them." Well, cuz she came in behind her though, so she knew that that she was coming in behind her cuz she was in the oh. door leading in. She wasn't oh, in the house. Oh, I get it now. So she, I thought that was the garage no, that Nick that is always was talking the, about. That was she snuck in behind her. Remember, oh, that was not clear. That's her. just really not clear when you're Yeah, looking. it's it's not totally clear, but she then Puts a blanket on the girl, and then Nick calls his. So Nick and Skank are now back at the hospital, where they don't need a warrant now to talk right. to the people about the blood donors. And like Nick, apropos of nothing, goes, "I'm going to check my messages." Yeah, and so I'm he check calls my messages at home. He calls his own cell phone to hear his messages, which right? Is a which thing his answering machine ago. picks up after one ring. One ring. So he gives himself no time to get to the phone when he's actually at home. I just don't think Nick likes to answer the phone. And then his thing starts rewinding. The tape yeah. starts rewinding. It's a tape. So a, a tape, tape for the millennials listening are uh, it's a magnetized strip. It's a cassette. P- yeah, it's a cassette. Millennials tape. like cassettes. Oh, They're do cool they? now. They're cool I don't again. Know what the? F- I don't know anything <laughs> about what's cool. I like I cassettes are cool. Is the Macarena back? I don't not, know. No, not, no. Okay. No. All right. I I don't know what's cool anymore. Like my kid is always talking to me about Bruno Mars, which I thought was a TV show, but it's that would like be a good a, name for a TV. But show. But it's like a guy. It is a dude, and he's like singing funk music which i thought was from the 70s but apparently that's bad i don't know what's going on anymore um i have lost all context in touch with reality so uh so he listens to his message she picks up and goes oh yeah i'm here your friend is here i called the paramedics they're coming up hold on they just buzzed so and apparently it's not strange when the paramedics show up to your house within a minute of you calling them yeah 
So she sets the phone down. And then you hear this this guy comes in and he starts uh, he starts a, a kerfuffle with her. They start. It's, it's, they start it's the dude from the, from the blood bank. Right, it's the he's, blood he's bank st- technician. He's the bad for, guy. For, for for again, apropos of nothing, he's decided to come to Nick's house. Well, no, because he followed that girl there because he tried. But to kill But why her. did he even? Because he tried to kill her. Earlier. Oh, the, the, how did he know where she was? I don't. He's know. He's just been at work all day. I makes have no, no sense. idea. I don't makes know no how sense. he knew where she was. Yeah, but he knew yeah. where she was because he tried to kill her and he apparently followed her there. The script writers know <laughs> that everybody needs to end up at Nick's house at the very end. Right. So that's why everybody's there. So he throws her and then the beat up girl grabs a broom and tries to fend him off with that. Then she gets the brilliant idea to light it on fire, which I was like, well, that's a much better idea, which he then takes right out of her hand right away after she lights it on fire. Um, and then throws it into uh, all of Nick's oil paints. Yeah, he's got all these oil paints like, like open. on, he's on the floor. He's got like a big open container of linseed oil that <laughs> it then spills over and starts a huge fire. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> which, which of course, point, Nick is, I have to go, so he, he flies away. He runs out of the hospital and flies away, where Skanky's like, how are you going to get there, you know? And, yeah. And so Nick uh, flies in through the window and and then tackles this guy as he's trying to choke out this uh, this this young girl this all sets the stage for the like requisite vampire fight in a burning building right which always looks super cool right so because the fire the way is it, like, on. lights their faces and they he, get all they're like really he angry knocks, yeah he knocks down the blood technician he goes over to elise who is now uh in surrounded by flame surrounded by flame he this, is the, this flame. is the second time in this episode that elise has found herself in peril that only nick can save right. her from so now it cuts, and Lacroix is holding the blood center tech, and he's drinking all his blood. Yeah, Lacroix's here now. Ah! Yeah, Lacroix's here now saying, oh, he, I believe he got what he deserves. And then he gives Nick this big speech about metal stakes don't kill vampires, Nicholas. Yeah. Fire, sunlight, a wooden stake, those kill vampires. Which is important, I guess. It's important exposition, For, yeah. which will, which becomes <laughs> obvious in about five minutes. Nick tells Elise to stay behind the flames because Lacroix won't get her there. He's going to fight Lacroix. He picks up a burning piece of timber, and, and which I don't know LaCroix where it came face. from. He just apparently has, like, sharpened lumber laying around yeah. that was near the oil paints that caught on fire. Tries to hit Lacroix with it. Lacroix disarms him easily, uh, throws him across the room, throws the burning board next to his head. Yeah. Then now, he at this point, and- this is what's so great, is Elise... Now runs through the door, right? right? Showing that Nick didn't have to save her from the fire at all. Actually, before this, there's an important bit of exposition that we skipped. Lacroix telling Nick how weak he looks before he goes to fight him and how he needs blood. At which point, uh, Elise right. says, this is actually important. says, do it. Take my blood. Turn yeah. me into a vampire. And a, do it. Do it. And it goes in this whole thing. Do it. And yeah. he's having flashbacks to when he first drank blood when he was turned by Lacroix and Jeanette. Yeah with the uh, busty French woman in the crypt and that cycles through cycles through and he's about to do it. And then he goes, no, I can't. And then he, that's when he grabs the burning two by four and charges. Right. Right. And so, um, you think he gets tossed, he gets chump tossed board next to his head. Lacroix grabs, uh, Elise and then bites her neck. Um, at which point Nick takes the burning piece of lumber, charges Lacroix, Lacroix drops, her for some reason yeah. <laughs> and then nick impales him yeah. with the wooden stake that is also on fire right uh at which point he pins him to the wall with it and lacroix bursts into flames. lacroix bursts into flames boom nick- huge bonfire <laughs>
bonfire. She grabs Elise, but it's kind of clear that she's like not responsive or dead or something at that point. I didn't know that that was clear. Yeah, it wasn't, I just thought per- that she it wasn't was- perfectly clear. It just seemed like she had passed out. <laughs> and then the next scene is like uh, uh, Nick and Skanky and Natalie like in the museum where they've right. taken Nick's cup. cup. Nick's Jade's copy cup. of the cup because the other one got destroyed when the claw threw it. So they put his so it broke. version So they put his there. back there. And she's the Elise is nowhere to be seen. And, but they're talking about her in past tense. Like, right. Oh, they start talking about her in past so tense like she sad. died. So you yeah. go, oh, she must have. she must yeah. not have made it. Yeah. And then it, you see, the again, the vision, the stalker vision. Right. Of somebody's watching them and it's up through the skylight. And then you see, oh, she's actually turned. She got turned into a vampire. Yeah. And she's watching them through the skylight. And got like a lot more eye makeup. Yeah. Like got a lot more eye makeup got and got a lot. Got a lot more goth hot. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's the ironic ending. Yeah, ah! That's the ending of the episode. So ending LaCroix had burst two. into flames. He's dead. He's no longer a thing. Yeah. He's kind gone. of. Hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag RIP. Hashtag not really. Hashtag he's back like once the writers realized, oh, we just like got yeah. rid of the only character that who could act and who is fun to watch and who is awesome. We should probably bring him back. So he comes back. Don't worry about it. He's the best part of the show. He'll be yeah. back. He'll be back in the next episode. I was really disappointed there was no Jeanette in this episode. Kind of. <laughs> there was no Gary Farmer in this episode either. Yeah, I know. I was really put out by that. It was a... Uh, but I mean, was... they had to introduce the killer. Yeah. You know? Well, he was in the first episode, though. We the saw killer, him. though? Yeah, the the killer guy, the blood tech. He was in the first one. Skanky what? talked to him a little bit. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so he was in the first over one. Right <laughs> I don't know. I just I always really like seeing Jeanette in the episode, so I was kind of disappointed <laughs> she wasn't in this one. Um, but I will, I, did, I will did take that see, trade-off for more LaCroix every time. Did you see how creepy Nick got with Natalie at the at the museum? How creepy like, Nick got with everybody. Like, like he just started, he like, he like uh-huh. grabs her. He like yeah. Trump grabs grabs her yep, from yeah. behind he's like <laughs> like well like he has a habit of doing that remember something? he grabbed the museum lady behind like that he and does what is it with these like 90s guys because well, when like, you're a powerful vampire like that you can do that you they, can just do whatever you want and they, they'll let you do it they'll let you do it they'll let you do it <laughs> it's so and she but she's all like oh, nick yeah. and you're just like jesus yeah. christ yeah. Well, that's like, weird oh and you... then you find out that that she gave him human blood oh yeah she, she gave him human blood. Transfusion. She, gave him, she gave him a transfusion it was skanky's blood oh which nick no is all uh, all uh, all a flutter about yeah, all it's, it's, he's, it's, he's, he's, he can't believe it there's a bunch of like you know oh, yeah. like ass slappy fucking kind of like uh <laughs> ridiculous ca- dialogue after that and then you're like but um ching and oh. it's almost like freeze frame it is smack it do yeah it was it very it uh, had that very 80s slash 90s type yeah. of ending where yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh no dark thing <laughs> yeah. at the end but so. that, that having been said i think that episode two was like a lot better it was it was much stronger it, the show really starts to find its voice the longer it goes on so i'm really excited to get into more episodes as we go yeah i, I think it'll get a lot better uh, it was good I, it's it's a blast from the past it's a lot of fun to watch it yeah, it really is. It really is. And it's very atmospheric. Like, I mean, like, if you can get over if you can get over Nick's terrible wardrobe and kinda of like <laughs> what a douche he is, like, it's very cool. There's a lot of cool stuff in it, you know? Anytime I mean, any of the other vampires show up, it's it's almost always a good time. If you've got LaCroix there, you've got Jeanette there, you know you're gonna have at least one good scene out of whatever's going on. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, every time LaCroix it. showed up it was a treat to watch him work. I, I give this episode three Transylvanian concubines. All right. And a half. Three and a half. 
All right. I give this episode two, two fangs up. What? <laughs> <laughs> your, 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 um, uh, the count is, is not, this is not a burn, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's verging on down with the sickness. Yeah. You're like, you're all, you're almost there. Yep. Getting close. <laughs> Somebody should do a cut of that on YouTube. Nice. Anyway. Well, um, somebody with more talent than me anyway. <laughs> So, uh, I don't know. What else is going on with gaming? I mean, that that's Forever Night for All right, you. Well, we have to do our, our buffer now, so people know the Forever Night part is over. So we're going to do another outro from the Forever Night part, and then we're going to get into the White Wolf stuff, right? Oh, geez. That's how we do it. That That is how we do it. we got to give people those nice spikes in the in the SoundCloud playlist <laughs> so they know this is where the thing starts and this is where it ends. Uh, you know, it's, it's actually getting kind of late. I think we kind of we, we did some – we front-loaded with some gaming talk. Okay. I think maybe we can just let this one go till next month. What do you All think, right. man? And yeah, we we'll can both have, it. We'll, we'll both have more uh, White Wolf talk. I'm hoping to see more out of their Monday meeting notes next time because it's been a real quiet month. Like, other than Scion, but we're <sighs> not really so super man. interested in Scion and, uh, as part of this podcast. So. Talking, like, things I just don't care about, man. I just don't care about Scion. Yeah, I don't care about the car, the Scion. I don't care about the game, Scion. I just yeah. don't care about Scion. I, yeah, like, I, I, there's not a... Th- and it's not a burn on Scion. It's not a dig on people who like Scion. I'm sure it's there a great a game. There is a dedicated group of people who really love Scion. There's a dedicated people who really love Exalted. Um, they should start a podcast and talk about them on there. I'm sure that there I'm sure is there one. is one. Guys, go out and find that Scion podcast. Tell us how it is. Email us in. Uh, it's uh, You can get a hold of us. Um, yep. You can tell us up. all about it. I'll be sure not to listen to it. But... Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm in. I, I, I guess I'm kind of interested to see if there is like a really dedicated fan base out there for it. I mean, there must there be. I think funded in like 50 seconds or something. Yeah, there seems to be, and so that's cool. You know, it's good to see. But yeah, and then yeah. I guess Beckett's Jihad Diary funded and all that. Yeah, I'm well, still not pumped about that. But yeah, someone out there is clearly that one. Somebody out there is excited about it. Yeah, yeah. It's like there is someone out there for you, Beckett's Jihad Diary. There is. Anyway, so if you guys want to get in touch with us, you can find us at uh, fullmetalrpg.com. Um, the best way to reach us is on Instagram. That's at fullmetalrpg on Instagram. You can follow my personal adventures, uh, Brendan Carrion. Oh, that's at, excuse me, Brendan Carrion on Instagram. And then my, my co-host over here, Adam Sink, is at adam.sink. Correct. On Instagram. Um, you can also get in touch with us if you need to write us any questions or anything. Um, full Metal RPG official at gmail.com. There's um, also the Facebooks and I don't know. We're on the Twitters as well, so you can find us any of those places. Hit us up. Hit us up, people. Anyway, it's been great spending one more evening with you. We hope you're all doing well. Enjoy some uh, 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 World of Darkness gaming, and uh, we'll get at you guys next month. Yeah, and if you want, send us a picture in of your jacket. We'll critique it for you. Oh, let's. <laughs> Yes, that definitely. That seems to be a theme for yeah, us, this, yeah. this jacket critique. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let you know yeah. exactly what is wrong with your yeah. wardrobe choices. <laughs> On a scale we're of like Big the, Knight to Mike Vikos, where, where is he with his jacket? We are, the, we are the Mr. Black of the role-playing world. <laughs> we, will, we will savage your fashion choices. Oh, man. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Have a good night. Bonfire!